It's 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m. Good morning. What's up? What's up? It's Jordan. It's Joe. 8 a.m. Shift. shift. <laughs> I always look at you like, you going to go for it this time? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always me. No. Uh, what's up, man? What's up? So, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we have some new uh, intro music. A pretty dope intro music. Yes. Yeah, it's me. Very, uh, very special shout out to Atom for uh, hooking that up. He did the uh, first track for us. He's done a couple of the, like, yeah. sort of like, uh, you know, segue pieces we've used. Yep, yep. But he just hooked up this really awesome uh, new intro song. Yeah. Two, two bums from uh, <laughs> Queens and Brooklyn getting custom intro songs here. It's crazy. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so thanks for that, Atom. Yeah, thank you so much, man. So, uh, dude, what are we talking about? So, I pitched this a while ago Yeah. to Joe, which is cool because I only have to pitch Joe on, on episode idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, yeah, right. I'm gonna I'm just gonna hire a boardroom yeah, for right. you to stay in. Like me you know, just a bunch of randos and me. <laughs> Jordan's whispering. Yeah, I know, I know. Um pardon me. It's okay. But there's one particular movie that stands in the I guess uh pantheon of great movies in the last decade right. that I thought was worth discussing for a whole episode. Um, I'm surprised we didn't get more people that r- responded to to my request to want to be a part of this episode. Yeah, what's up with you guys? Yeah, I know, right? Especially if you're listeners. Especially if you're a listener, but... <laughs> you don't know who the hell we are, we get it. <laughs> right. Um, and that movie is The Dark Knight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's the 10th anniversary coming up, right, for The Dark Knight. And, uh, it's a pretty... I think it's like a pretty, like, seminal film in general, but... When especially when it comes to like comic book films, right? Yeah. So um, it was like there's just it's a, on a lot of levels I can talk about this film and like why I love oh, it, like yeah. why I love it as a comic book film, why I love it as a movie, how it, what it did for the comic book genre, right? Yeah. What it does for like a director who like insists on shooting on film and, oh, yeah. uh, and, and using, uh, using practical effects and then I uh, yeah roll into that right now I think um, if I if I'm getting this correct uh, I believe Infinity or sh- Infinity War was shot all on IMAX within IMAX format and I, and Dark Knight was like the first film to like have like yeah. a X amount of time it was something like 20 minutes of it in IMAX format yeah um, so yeah no man it's just the film did a lot yeah um, I so where do we begin? where do we begin where do we begin let's talk about let's begin as uh, on uh, the Dark Knight's uh, impact as a comic book film. Because I think right. you hear Dark Knight, right? You think Batman. So immediately your brain jumps to comic book movies, right? But Dark Knight was much more than that. Dark. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this could be heat. Yeah, and Christopher Nolan openly, I mean, every movie he does is like inspired by heat. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's just remaking heat, He's remaking all, the heat all the time. Prestige, 
Remake of Heat. <laughs> Interstellar. Remake of Heat. Uh, no, no, but but just like in its color tone, it's it's like wide scope, like beautiful, like um, wide angle cinematography. Just, uh, but it took the comic book genre and was like, it doesn't have to be this like. It doesn't necessarily have to be seen as a com- comic book film. Like, yes, there's a man running around in tights and a cape, but yeah, there's the mob, right? And there's there's un- now we're talking <laughs> Jordan's favorite subject, <laughs> and you know, just like this underground CD world, this political world, right? Characters that are being developed. Like the Joker isn't just he's the a, Joker; he's right? a symbol. He's a symbol, he's a symbol. <laughs> right? And it, some of the themes he touches on are themes that I think you know we as human beings like think about, right? Like how to sort of upset the system and th- different things like that. Yeah, it's funny because. Um, the, I feel like so. First of all, the Dark, Dark Knight, um, in terms of content and subject matter, it surpassed Batman Begins, its predecessor. Right, and I love Batman, and I love yes. Batman Begins Huge too. Fan. Yeah, I remember watching Batman Begins with my father, and he came out of it loving it, and I came out of it like mm, I kind of like the original Batman more. <laughs> you know? But the Dark Knight, when the trailer came out, right, um, when the hype around it started really like building, right. Like I knew that I was gonna like this film. Like there was no like, and it delivered on every level. The hype was the hype, hype train was, for the Dark Knight was insane, insane. because it was like he the first. So it was like <laughs> I remember I'm, so, I'm sort of like going through my head like chronologically like how things played out because it was like all right, Christopher Nolan is doing a sequel to Batman Begins, so everybody's like cool. Then it was like he's gonna be doing a Joker, and everybody was like. Whoa! Yeah, right? um, like we're getting a Joker now. Yeah. Then it was like, who's he gonna cast? Then it was like Heath Ledger is cast, and people were like, Ooh, like is that gonna work? Like he's a good actor, right? And he had just not just, but like had come off like Brokeback Mountain and stuff, and right. you'd seen him in some pretty great performances. But people were still like, is that going to work? Right. And then that teaser came out. And also, remember that issue of uh, Empire Magazine, I believe it was, with uh, him on the cover? I don't think I remember. Oh, with uh, with the face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And was everybody was, was like, like what? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. But it wasn't until, I feel like it wasn't, there was like, the hype was like there and it was like bubbling and festering. But when that first teaser dropped yep. and you just heard the voice, everybody was like, this is gonna be insane, right? And the movie, and from there on, and then they did the IMAX, uh, like you caught the, the the opening sequence of the bank robbery. And yep, you, I am legend able, what, I am with I am legend. legend. And yes. when everybody saw that, it was just like people were like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be <laughs> right, <laughs> right, this right, is epic!" And I remember sitting in the theater watching that the first time, and when that scene was happening, and when that scene ended, the intro bank robbery, I was like we're in for a ride right now man like this movie's gonna be you know oh, yeah. some, this this movie's gonna be something special yeah I remember we watched uh, I Am Legend with my, I, watched, I watched I Am Legend with my friends at in IMAX right? right and at the end of like that at the end of that bank robbery trailer we're like alright we can leave and I hate to say it, but in some ways I'm like, mm, wasn't mis- I wasn't missing much after uh, after I watched uh, <laughs> <laughs> I Am Legend. <laughs> the problem with I Am Legend, now we're going doing our, our typical like steer somewhere else. The, but, like, the ending, man. Just, yeah, the ending's I mean, not great 
everything after like you know when he's like hung upside down and the dog dies. Yeah, yeah. There, it was like really good up until. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, where's this film going? Yeah. And uh, I like the actress Alice Braga who's in it, Brazilian actress, but it just kind of she was in City of God. She's amazing. Right, right. um, Really good in the remake or like sort of reimagining of Repo Man, which was awesome actually. It's like Jude Law and her, really good. There's a new Repo Man. It was this was like a few years ago, but it was like sort of like they took the idea, but it's not the same film at all, and that's one of the reasons why I appreciate it is because they did something different with it. But and Jude Law was in it, and Alice Prago was in it. But anyway, back to the Dark Knight. <laughs> I digress. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember like feeling like my heart was pounding, and it was like this is gonna be something special. And then like scene after scene, you know, a lot of them being the Joker scenes, obviously, but like uh, you know, the scene when he sits down with the mob, bo- with the bosses, the crime bosses, right, for right, the first right. Time, and you know, he bangs the guy's head into the the pencil, and everybody lost their minds. Yeah. But I have to say, man, one one of the like pleasant surprises of that movie is. Harvey Dent, man. Harvey Dent yeah. is great. It's yeah. a great character yeah. in that movie, man. Aaron Eckhart as um, Harvey, Harvey Dent, Dent yeah. he was incredible. He was. Man. It's like, just like throughout, right, the buildup of this, like, hero, right? Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's the hero that, like, the city deserves. And I know some people now, like, are like, oh, it's corny. But it's like you weren't saying it when you watched the movie for the first time. <laughs> but, um... And then his turn, right, into Harvey Dent. Like, at the end, when he's, like... He's talking to um, Commissioner Gordon, and he's just like fair, and he's got the gun in his hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, where is this going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, so yeah, just like on a level, when we're speaking about it as a comic book film, it just operates. It was the it was the movie that sort of the first comic book movie. I'm doing air quotes here that like came out and was like. These don't have to be seen as comic book films. Anymore. Right. Do you feel that, and I mean, do you feel that with The Dark Knight, the comic book movie genre kind of grew up at that moment? Yeah, yeah, you for know, sure. We had inklings of that, I feel. Well, the thing is, is, is like there's different um, points, like pivotal moments. Yeah, I agree. Where comic book films took a, took a step, right? Like yeah. one giant step for comic book kind, you know? So it was like... There had been some really shitty comic book movies, right? Like from like the 70s into the 80s. And then it was like, and I know you'll, you're going to get a chuckle, but you, I, I know you kind of agree. Blade came out. Yeah. Right? And Blade that was, was the first, I was thinking it as, right. you, were, as you were Blade saying. came out and it was yeah. like, as like you, you look at that now and you're like, it's Wesley Snipes killing a bunch of people, whatever. But if you, that movie came out and people were like, whoa, like you can take a comic book movie and make this like R-rated, like dark, gritty. Yeah, the thing with, the crazy thing with Blade too is that I don't know what happened with the licensing for it. I'm sure sure it was a very right. similar situation as like X-Men or all the other right. franchises, but I look back and I'm like, you know, the art direction generally speaking in it was very original like it wasn't yeah, no. like you, like you you and that's the thing is that they, they took it took a turn from the actual um source material like blade has a lot of gothic elements i'll right, give you that course. but like blade like the movie you know they they kind of took some of those like like those techno goth elements from right. like the 90s that you kind of saw in movies like the matrix a hackers bit. <laughs> yeah, hackers right um and what was cool too is that they injected it with um like they they made it. I mean, I think at the time, movies are also kind of very racialized too. Right. Um, and 
you know, you put that against, say, like a movie like Spawn. I know, you, I know you're probably cringing right now, <laughs> Joe. Right? But, like, the thing with Spawn was that there's certain decisions that were made in that that they, that they didn't want to, like, make it just, like, a quote-unquote, like, a, a movie for a black audience. Right. Right. And Blade didn't care about yeah, that, no, you know what I mean? Like, they, 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 made, they delivered a dope product, and I think for a lot of, like, the black comic book fans at the time, they... It, it was so it was amazing to get immersed in that type of um, right. that type of movie right. um the step after that for marvel was x-men right well know? before we jump ahead here okay. just because i know like if, any, if anybody's listening like they'll freak out because we didn't mention like superman and but tim burton's batman 1989 batman obviously these were like huge comic book films. yeah yeah but i don't i don't necessarily i'm not putting them in this category because it's like those were like these events, right? That kind of happened, yeah. and then but didn't necessarily lead to anything else. Whereas, like, obviously, it's like these are like the grandfathers of things. But it was like Blade really got the ball rolling yeah. on what would become the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Right. You know, so like those films ha- obviously influenced other films, but it was like there was a long period of awful like after that oh absolutely and, you know, <laughs> right? it's, you know, it's good that you, it's good you mentioned that because right. um i think with the original the original batman you could make a, an argument that that was um that started it which i which you know somewhat which is like i mean it's it's a fair argument the thing with batman returns though is that you start realizing that these movies are more like tim burton's movies right right they were his films they were his films and then you realize that by batman forever right. <laughs> and it's just which, which stars an actor from heat by the name of val kilmer <laughs> <laughs> batman forever remake of heat <laughs> <laughs> uh, um the thing those <laughs> movies came out within like an earshot of, of each other which is funny too. uh so listen, I give those movies all the credit in the world, and I love those movies. Batman, nineteen eighty nine, Batman is like one of my all time favorites, I, and Superman too. Um, <laughs> Superman, su- the su- first Superman, it's a great movie. Anyway, besides, that's we don't want to get off into that. But um, so Blade was like this, like like one of those, like all right, it took a step, right? They grew. Yeah. Then obviously, I think you got to go Sam Raimi Spider Man. Sam Raimi Spider Man. I don't know X Men. I felt was uh, you. Actually, you're right. You and you, you, yeah. you started to I say that before. X Men would be that next step. You're right. Yeah, I, I was totally blanking on. Even that. also, even like with the, one other thing with with X Men that I really appreciated too is that once again, straying from source source material in a good way. They didn't give them the costumes that they gave them in right, in, the, in the book, right. and they even referenced that in the actual movie where they're just like, you know, what I mean, like there's that scene where not um, gonna wear yellow tights, or, or yellow tights, or something <laughs> yeah. like that, right? And you know, it it was really smart writing at right. the time. Right. You know? No, no. I, listen, I love the first X Men, and actually X Two is even better. Like yeah. the sequel to that is is one of my favorite all time favorite comic book films. Right. Uh, so you're right. That would be that next step. But then I think where the thing that sort of opened the floodgates, I think, was Sam Raimi's Spider Man because the movie crushed in box office, right? And he just like I think he. He, he. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, is molded a lot after what he did. They were like, we can do this like fun, entertaining, sometimes serious, like yeah. Because like X Men's balance is a little off, right? <laughs> right. It's not necessarily. Well, Spider Man's does towards the. Uh... The third one. <laughs> I mean, the third side was awful, but like the stories behind why that's awful. But Spider Man Two, once again, similar to like X Two, consider one of the greatest comic yeah. movies like ever made. Yeah, I think the issue with some of those uh, with 
comic book movies too is that and I think this is um I guess kind of connected to like the larger conversation was right. that there was still this element with like the sequels in particular that when you then when they the first mo- the first movies usually tend to set up like the world a little bit or set right. up like who these like who the fo- focal characters are the second ones t- the sequels tend to deal with like i guess catering to like the fans more right? right and i think this is where like batman like where batman or the um christopher nolan's trilogy was a little bit different was that the first one did a good job of setting up it in a lot of ways Batman Begins was kind of written for like comic book fans right but the Dark Knight was written in in some way it was written really more for like I mean it, it was written for comic book fans don't get me you know, don't get it twisted but it was a movie that was so smart that I feel like it was also written for like like a filmmaker's filmmaker right. it really appealed to like that 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 segment too, you know? and, and I mean Christopher Nolan is the type of guy. First off, there, I've, there's tons of articles out there that posit that like he hates comic books and like yeah. he hates he even hated like the characters and like he's like trying to do this whole like breakdown thing, which I don't this I don't agree with. Well, you but, see the third, the third, the third, the third rises. And you start <laughs> wondering like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he did hate them did. this whole time, <laughs> but uh, it, he. I mean, he's he was a he's an amazing filmmaker in his own right, right? And he before he had ever stepped into the Batman game, he had made some incredible films, right, right. So he was going to bring that to whatever he did. If you know anything uh, about Christopher Nolan, he tries as much as possible to to not use CGI. Like he tries right, to use right. as little as possible. So he his use of practical effects within the camera and stuff like that it just brings this like. It just kind of sucks you into the film, and it was similar with like what he did with uh, Interstellar. Like, there's these shots of like the the spaceship when it crashing and stuff. Right, so right. You're like in there because, right. and actually Dunkirk, right? You're like on the plane as it's like crashing. It's like, it's like crazy. So he he just brought all these like elements, and he approached it, uh, you know, as um, an artist of his craft, and he, right, right. He, you know, he created an incredible film. Um. But outside of like what it did for the comic book genre, and I know you'll have a lot to say about this, the film also speaks about like society as a whole, right? Like the film right. has a lot to say right. about uh, where we are right now, right? It's not just, you know, Batman kicking ass. Right. right. So here's where I think I say this movie is such like a touchstone moment in the lives of um, like our generation. In particular, I think older millennials and maybe like some younger Gen Xers would would uh, also agree because, you know, we often talk about how 2007 was a very pivotal year for film, which I totally agree with. Right. Um, the Dark Knight comes out in 2008, and it comes out a little bit after Iron Man, right? right? Which in itself was a Iron Man is one of those touchstones. Yeah, it's also sure. a touchstone yeah, moment yeah. because that kicked off the MCU, the MCU yeah, yeah. right? But the thing with the Dark Knight was that it was one of the first times that you had a movie that was so um, it was so smart and it was a contained. It was a contained trilogy in the sense that it wasn't going to introduce Superman. Right. You know, we instead, Zack Snyder had the pleasure of introducing <laughs> Superman and Batman on screen. And then I had to jab my eyes. <laughs> um, but it came out in 2008. It was at the height of the financial crisis. I mean, right. like people were not getting jobs. And a lot of us had graduated. I mean, people my age had graduated from college. A lot of people had graduated from college. Or if you were a little bit older... Um, you were watching a lot of things crumble economically. Right. Uh, we had we George, George George W. Bush was still in office. Um, Barack Obama was 
he, I don't, had he, I don't think he had received the Democratic nomination for presidency yet because the the convention would have happened like with either that month or a little bit after. Right, right. Um, but you know, like we, you know, we were we were at the cusp of a lot of things at that particular summer. Right. You know, um, so there was that kind of like looming over us in our generation. And I, and I say this very in particular because there's a lot of younger millennials who I don't think really re- remember this era as much. Like if you, if you, if your first time voting was when Obama got reelected, like, I don't think th- this, this, um, movie really like really, I guess I, I'm trying to think of the right word right now. I think it, the, the effect Are you of this about movie, to, to get yourself a lot of hate, hate mail. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying this as a crit- critique of people that are like, like younger, I'm saying this be- that, you know, like when you when you're when you're going through like a tough period of um, financial uncertainty, right, or in so uncertainty in general, those things that you recall that you know you experienced back, um, in that time are going to stay with you, right. And so this movie, I think, for people like us who experienced and watched these things happen coming out of that particular era, this movie stayed with us. It stuck with us, you know. Um, and every did. and everything that you all the emotions and all the animus you may have towards like like uh, the the nature of capitalism or um, you know like or, or or politicians or you know however however you feel about it, there's this element of that movie that that stuck with you, you know um, whether you and and so because of that I feel like there was like these um these uh, over. Overarching elements that 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 touched us in particular. Uh, so when I think about the context of it, it wasn't just symbolic of of a great moment in film. It was symbolic of you know what we were going through at the time. Yeah, for sure. So in my conversation with Liam, which we'll get to momentarily, right. the the thing that he, that we we brought up was that. Who's really the bad guy? Is is the Joker the bad guy? Yeah, because he's a psychopath. Right. But everything he's saying almost sounds like it. It it comes from a place of almost like uh, of like 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 un, un, unadulterated, unfiltered change. Right. But it's if even if you think about it, like in the film, like even Batman is forced into like having to say he killed somebody yeah you see what i'm saying so there's a lot of like gray areas that they like play with and like the scene with the joker and harvey dent when he's talking to him about about anarchy and like how you know like how he can make a change and like you know he's like i'm a simple man i i like bullets and dynamite or whatever you know and he puts the gun in harvey dent's hand and this is a man like the whole time who was like played by the book and like was beat down and now like this is his chance to like up to to make a change right but he's got like take it in his hands and do it himself yeah and obviously that ultimately ultimately backfires but like you know there's a you know while people are watching that scene kind of like harvey maybe you should take that <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. It, it was just a very weird, um, not weird, but it was a interesting film, man. It was an interesting, you know, look at society as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I described it when I got out of the theater as, um, it's almost like mind porn. Right. You know, it's like the notion of renegade thought that kind of, um, that the that the Joker kind of uh, exhibits or promotes in a lot of ways, right. right? And the thing is, like, I think most people can agree that true anarchy um, eventually peters out because, like, you know, that's why we have 
protocol, but too much protocol becomes restrictive. And like, right. where's the balance between those things? And I, I, I guarantee you there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about certain quotes from that movie. I think that's easily like, I think it might be more easily quotable than Scarface. I know some people that would disagree with me. <laughs> I no, actually, I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I think, um, and even to this day, even the, the current political context, a lot of people tend to, you know, like they they tend to find moments or quotes from that movie to describe the current political context. Right, right. You know, so I guess as part of this conversation, right. I also want to speak to other people who had thoughts about it. One was a friend of mine who I actually met that summer. His name is DJ Treats. Um, this is what he had to say about his experience and kind of connecting the dots with the current political climate. Cool. I definitely remember leaving the theater, saying to myself, how many more times will I pay to see this film? Like those exact words came out of my mouth. I was like, okay, I already saw this once. It was incredible. It was it was just everything I wanted it to be. I, I really couldn't find any flaws in it. I mean, you know, I could probably complain about Batman's voice. You know, his it's it was tough to hear what he was saying sometimes, uh, you know, underneath his mask and his like really Christian Bale's gravelly voice that he, Christian Bale's gravelly Batman voice was just like... he might he might as well have had subtitles that's how you know bad it was but all that aside he's an incredible bruce wayne and and he's a really good batman so i i was totally fine with that um what else so you know i felt like this was a film that challenged you know the morality of 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 who is good and who is bad and their their motivation for things and for every bad thing that you can say about the joker you know you could even try to compare him to trump in some way because he is truly they're both agents of chaos they they do shake things up they do uh there there's something morally wrong in everything that they're doing um and but in their mind it somehow makes sense and somehow there's there's a rational well at least for the joker he does try to rationalize it regardless of how ridiculous it sounds or silly and funny to him it sounds trump it's it's it actually doesn't make any sense at all um you know that it's definitely for the the cause of riling up a a base uh the joker has no base he is a one-man army how do you feel about that how do you feel about um the honorable 45th president of the united states being compared to the Joker, or is he Batman? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, who is he in this situation? Who is he? Uh, maybe he's Harvey Dent. No. <laughs> oh boy. To be honest, if anything, I would compare him more to Bane. <laughs> but <laughs> he has a weird voice. <laughs> uh, no hair. Did Bane have hair? I don't know. Right? No. Someone once and, compared Bane to um, Jeremy Irons and Die Hard to me. <laughs> And it was actually a Die Hard Avengers. I watched that recently. Yeah, it was actually a pretty valid, like, comparison. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, I would, I guess in, in the Nolan films, I think I would compare him more to Bane because it's, you know, this whole like, take your city back, you know, this whole like, like, and then it just leads to like, you know, meltdown and chaos. Uh, so like Bane would be the guy, but th- to be honest, Bane's a hell of a lot smarter than Donald Trump is. <laughs> I look at, you know, what happened in the dark Knight. I look at, um, what these characters represent, you know, and, you know, like there's that scene where, uh, the Joker looks at Batman very coldly and says, you know, you've changed things right. forever. There's no right. turning back. He's like, he, I don't want to kill you. you know, right? <laughs> and he says, you're just a freak like me. Right. And at that point, you kind of see the um, the symbiotic relationship between the two. Right. And I think about that when it comes to, uh, you know, the current political context or climate, if you will. You know, and even internally on both the left and the right, there's all these like um, these jaded these jaded feelings and sentiments. And, you know, I'm thinking about the who is the agent of chaos, you right. know, who is the one that's like, you know, trying to like mix things up or trying right. to like move the needle on these things, these things, you know, is it is is was Bernie Sanders? Was he that was he the Joker in this situation? Right. Was Hillary the Joker ever? I don't know. Maybe she was Harvey Dent. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd maybe say she was more. <laughs> I think that uh, Obama is definitely like Batman in this scenario now, though, because it's like Trump is definitely like the Joker to Obama's Batman. But then the, the question you have to ask yourself was: was is is Batman? Right, right, well, right. what makes you think about it is that line, that line that you you just said, where it's like you've changed things, right? And right. Obama came in and. Things changed, right? right. And then for better or worse, whatever you know, that's uh, your opinion, right? But after after Obama was president, it sort of opened the door for a guy like Trump to then become president. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, and don't you know? Don't nobody try to rip me a new one here. I'm just you know, we're just it's just an open discussion here. I hate Donald Trump, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying. Do you really? Huh? But do you really? <laughs> but do you really? <laughs> So yeah, I guess that brings us to uh, our colleague uh, Liam, who had some things to say about uh, his experience with the Dark Knight, um, which was, which to him was uh, eerily prophetic, if you will. Right. That's what makes the Joker so disturbing, and that's what I think makes the movie brilliant is that Batman's powers are his wealth and right. his strength. And his strength, yeah. And his cunning and his intelligence and the Joker's smarter than he is the Joker um, Joker I mean has the, no weaknesses the jo- Joker burns money right and the th- third thing <laughs> is that again the, f- the thing that bullies and Batman is a bully Batman is you know something of a fascist nightmare right um, you right. know he's one that we all get behind because we you know he's a good guy but you know there's that whole argument that what Batman does is beat up mentally ill people and it's kind of an interesting thing to think about him as a guy that just beats up the mentally ill um it's so disturbing because he just keeps punching the Joker and his response is to laugh right, and he has that right. line that's like you have nothing to do with all your strength it's and there's that that chord that that Hans Zimmer like chord that that right, is so right. resonant and it, it that's it really makes your hair stand on end right. because you're like he can't this guy doesn't care and you know I'd yeah. hate to draw like an obvious 
po- political. Oh, yeah. But like, oh yeah, we're going there. He's the same. I mean, the the it, forty-five man. is the same. He doesn't like he he won't he doesn't play normal like you know what I mean like he what the scariest thing about someone like that is that they don't care they're you know and maybe you know there's not there's the kind of like you don't you don't respond to normal rules of society and culture and like you know you know I mean. The, the the idea the thing that we've all come to contextualize with Batman is that Batman beats you up and you're you're out of power. Right. And the Joker has no power. You know, someone right. releases a tape of him saying like, "Grab her by the pussy," and it's like we're all horrified. Like, <gasps> but like he's like, "Fuck it," and so are his followers. You know what I mean? Like the people that are into him, maybe they're bothered by it, but it didn't reflect in their votes. You know what I mean? And it's the out of options thing. And there's nuance to it. I'm not pretending that like, but that should have, you know, that's a moment of real clarity in terms of like who it is that we're voting for. And it's not, it's, there's a decision that's being made there. And if you're fine with it, then I don't know. That's desperation. It's ignorance. It's a whole bunch of things. I don't know what it is. Wow, Liam. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just wow. Wow. You and DJ Treats, just wow. <laughs> Um, I feel like they should get their own show together. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I guess, I guess wrapping this up, like I, it's weird because, you know, I love all the Avengers movies. Right. Um, I love, you know, I, I you know, I, I, there's a lot of movies that I've seen in the last few years. I, I, I truly, truly do love and appreciate. Right. But there's just something with the Dark Knight that I feel. Um, there's something about it that stayed with me. You know, I, the Dark Knight was just a game changer on a on a different level than than these other films like right like black panther right it came out within this past year game changer right like right right all um you know uh not all african american but all like black cast right yeah and just like what it did for like where uh cinema's going in terms of like opportunities for minorities and stuff like that that's gonna be huge and the movie killed in the box office right so it was like we know right. people want to see that right but that's changed on a different level than like what dark knight did yeah you, you know, know what it's funny too that you mentioned black panther because even the dichotomy between killmonger and black panther um i feel it wasn't like modeled completely after the dark knight and or batman there and, are similarities and, but there's similarities and i think cooler was really smart about that because um if you wanted to talk about, if you wanted to have like a deep sociological conversation about uh, about gov- about your thoughts about gov- government, right? That's really what the Dark Knight was about. Right. Um, if you want to have a deep philosophical conversation about um, black empowerment, right? Uh, like I think that's where Cooler did a really smart right, right. job of um, capturing the complexities behind that. Right. Um, so, but you know, it, it's weird because. Um, you know, you look at a movie like Black Panther, and you got to ask yourself, like, you know, this this movie comes out in the Trump era, right? You know, uh, obviously presidencies don't really or don't necessarily influence like the the um, the pop culture. Well, let me take that back. As far as the actual content of it. You know, it's completely debatable. Right. Right. Like, I'm not gonna say Trump is the reason Black Panther was successful. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but. You know, like it's not a. You know, you you would think that the social progress of what had happened during the Obama Obama administration would have lent this lent itself for this to come out a lot sooner. Right. But that's not really the reality in a lot of ways. No, too. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, and I say that only because the reality is the movie came out like a year and a half into the Trump presidency. Right. 
like I said, those things are probably not even, there's no correlation between those things. That's really, you know, that's really like uh, well, you know, the, Marvel's, the, the, that's Marvel's. Right. Well, the movie plan. getting greenlit and made, there's no correlation. Maybe there's a correlation for the success of the film. You know what I'm saying? Between, in terms in, between Donald Trump. And no, no. I, but I'm just saying we're in a we're in this in, within our climate right now. People want right. to stand up and say, hey, like we're going to support this. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's a film with an all black cast made by an African-American director. Right. And female cinematographer too. Right. And people stood up and they were like, we're going to support this. This is the number one grossing film of the year. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I mean, you know, the fact that people want to stand up and voice their opinion and say, you know, we want to see this movie. Yeah. Maybe it's a, you know, a slap to the face to Donald Trump and, you know, good. Thank you for it. I'm just saying, like like I said, yes, the film getting greenlit, whatever, has nothing to do with Donald Trump. But the success, not necessarily the success of the film, but like just like people's urge to say this movie's awesome and put it out there, right? That could be like, you know, a middle finger to Donald right. Trump, which which I think is great. And listen, I'm not taking nothing away from the film. The film is awesome. It's a awesomely made film. Um, but you know, there was also a voice there and a message and people I think got that and it resonated and people went to see it. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Um, but just another point, just to sort of go back to like the tie into the dark night is, um, I think, and you see that with uh, this, with like infinity war and, um, uh, black Panther is that the villains and the heroes, you know, they, they they sort of give you this right. like well you know I can kind of see both sides and I think that has because it used to be very like one you know like very black and white right the villain is the villain the hero is the hero and right. that's it and now in these other mo- in these two movies right and I think you know they you know have to you know there's a little thank you there to the Dark Knight because yeah you know it was it was one of the first superhero films to like do or comic book films to do that to be like we're gonna give you two sides and yes you know there's a side you should be rooting for but you know yeah it's i'm gonna make you think about something yeah and it's 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 funny because um it's not funny (laughs) it's really not funny but like you know like there's no there's no even when i said earlier like who's the hero in this it's like you know it that was a poor way of of contextualizing it it's really you know, the Joker is the villain. Right. The question is, like, is Batman really the hero? It was Batman ever the hero? Right. And it's like that's where you start realizing, like, he is technically a vigilante. He operates outside the boundaries of the law. So he's in some ways almost like an anti-hero. So he's like almost like an anti-hero against a villain. He himself was creating anarchy, like exactly. doing what he did. Doing what you know, he did, what I'm saying? You know? So, so I mean, I think yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right with that. Which is the um, the notion of like. Um, I guess like the like the the moral spectrum, if you will, right. being painted in that way. I think um, you know they often say that uh, the nature of of, uh, of Batman and Joker's relationship is even emblematic in their um, the colors they wear. You know, right. like Batman represents dark stoic justice. Right. Um, the Joker wears these clashing colors. He's like, and he's like the chaos that threatens it on a daily basis. Right. You know, so you know I think I think about that even in 
the world, the real world that we live in when it comes to people who are, you know, law enforcement professionals, people that are, uh, you know, like, you know, first responders, you know, um, granted, like, I'm, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize the relationship with the public as (laughs) Batman and Joker. I characterize it as something much operating on a much, uh, different, uh, and I guess realistic, you know, moral scale. Right. But, you know, like when you suit up to do, to, to react to, uh, a disaster, you know, you know, you are reacting to the chaos that threatens, you know, the public on a day-to-day basis, Right. you know? Um, but yeah, I think I'm going back to the movie. Like it's a, I think it's a very sobering and it's a very somber, like feeling kind of looking back on it because right. it kind of defined like 10 years of my life in a lot of ways too. You know, like I was coming out of college and now here I am, you know, post-college, even post-master's degree and just kind of like the feelings and thoughts and actions, like who I was then versus who I am now. Right. And just kind of being able to take this movie as like something that, you know, in a lot of ways defined my adulthood, you know? Right. So it's, 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 it's weird. It's very, like, it's a very... Said it's it's a very weird feeling, but it's also kind of it's almost like it's like the one movie that if someone's like it's on. I'm like ah, oh, right. And watch I, it. And I think you were right, like sort of like hitting the nail on the head earlier when you were talking about like a specific age range. Like it's that yeah. like if, when if you were of a certain age when that came out, and like now looking back ten years later, that yeah. film definitely spoke to you in a different way. Yeah. Right? And that being us and, you know, any, anywhere around, you know, yeah. like whether you were like in your early to like late 20s around that time yeah. when it was coming out. Um, I think if you're if, if you're currently between the ages of I want to say like 28 to uh, to 40, maybe even like a little bit older, say like. No, I'd say like I'd say twenty eight, yeah, yeah, like twenty seven to forty, like that would encompass like like a little bit older millennials and like like younger Gen Xers. Right. And somewhere like right in the middle of that, like between that, like, like twenty nine or or thirty to like thirty five, thirty six. Right. In particular, this movie might have really like stuck out to you a lot. Yeah, and I think it's a film. It's like one of those like I feel like every generation has like one of those films, right? Like yeah. This film that like spoke to that generation, yeah. and I feel like Dark Knight was that film. Yeah. Obviously, there were many amazing films made around that time. Yeah. Like, you know, but. The film, like whether because I think, and actually because of the genre it came, it was in, yeah, that allowed it to sort of, sort of, um, blow up even more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it was a comic book film, and nobody expected a comic book film to be able to do something like that and speak to people the way it did. It, it, that's what sort of like because like like just for example, like I love like There Will Be Blood or like No Country for Old Men or these like masterpieces in my opinion yeah yeah but they they work in different ways you know what i'm saying and because that was a comic book film and it but it ended up just being so much more than that yeah it uh i think it it spoke to a generation in a certain way yeah and i also think was significant too is as i said earlier like iron man was more of a kickoff or something much bigger right this was um but and iron man just doesn't op like it, I love Iron Man, but like it's a pretty straightforward like comic book script, right? It's like yeah, one one pitfall though of the actual first Iron Man movie, I realized that it up until I think Guardians of the Galaxy, 
they kind of repurpose that structure for for those type of movies yeah, like yeah. a lot of times. Like remember how we talk about the Thor movie? The first two the first two Thor movies are a little dicey, especially right. the first one. Right. The reason why is because they um spent too much time um trying to like set up their actual like backstory. And they right. and that's because they did that for Iron Man, they did that for Captain America, although they did in Captain America in a much smarter way. Right. Um Hulk not so much because um they had a very interesting uh, it was that was a weird property because it was like or a weird character to handle because they had had that Hulk movie before yeah. and it was just like, yeah. yeah and if go. you watched yeah. uh, if you watched the uh, Ed Norton Hulk right, um, they almost treated as if if you want to believe that the the one from two thousand three the Ang Lee one if, yeah if you want to if you want to believe that was part of this canon you can exactly but if, yeah. but if, so like whoever I thought were, it was clever because they were kind of like yeah if you like if you were one of the people who liked like, that yeah, movie yeah. Then it can kind of still exist, but yeah. if you hated that movie, it totally doesn't right. exist. Yeah, it was very clever on yeah. their part. Um, but and I, but I, we've spoken about this on the podcast. Like there are, I, you know what? That's another episode. <laughs> yeah, it is another like, episode. Like, like ten ten years of the Hulk. Like forget about forget about <laughs> yeah. Iron Man. Forget about the other MC. Like let's talk about this snapshot that <laughs> was actually really smart filmmaking. If right, you think about it. <laughs> it was pretty clever. <laughs> um, but it was. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can this could be a really good episode. Yeah, yeah. But no one's expecting the that. Whole would, that would be an amazing episode. <laughs> um, what led to Mark Ruffalo being where he is right now? <laughs> hint, hint, had to do with money. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so like, but, and we've spoken about this on the podcast that there, there have been articles speaking about how Guardians of the Galaxy was the first of the MCU films to make that change in sort of story, story structure, as well as like allowing directors to sort of be auteurs and put their stamp on films, right? right so like Guardians right. of the Galaxy led to uh, Thor Ragnarok. And right, these right. other movies and, right. and Black Panther and all these because now you're bringing in directors and allowing them to have their voice on the film. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you have a chance, totally go to your local comic book store, buy some Batman comics, and now some Hulk comics. And now some Hulk comics. And also, if you can, rewatch the The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's an um, amazing film. It's uh, 10 years uh, old now. It's 10 years. It's a little baby movie. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's the unofficial sequel to Heat. <laughs> unofficial sequel to Heat. Uh, yeah, get out there. Check it out. Um, you know, if you guys, if you haven't seen it for the first time, it'd be awesome to, like, hear people's opinions on it. Yeah. But, like, if you if you follow us on show, social media, it'd be cool to, like, hear, like, what you thought about the film your first time or something like that in a talk back. Um, yeah, get out, check it out. And I'm sure there's going to be like some specialty screenings popping up oh, somewhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alamo Draft House looking in your direction. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, cool, man. Yep. That's another one. Yep. Uh, shifters out. Shifters out.